All right, well, we're uh, there in Luke chapter number 21. And, of course, we've been on this journey with Jesus. We've been traveling through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And the last several weeks, we've been in this little mini-series in Luke chapter 21. And, of course, this is a passage in which the Lord Jesus Christ deals with end times prophecy. And this chapter is parallel with the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And we've been on a little mini-series uh, just in this chapter with End Times Prophecy. And this is actually the fourth and final sermon out of this chapter. And if you remember the first sermon I preached out of Luke 21, uh, we dealt with the subject of the tribulation. And we talked about the Antichrist and world wars and famines and great death. And then we spent an entire sermon on the abomination that make it desolate. And we talked about the abomination of desolation. We talked about the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, and the desolation of Jerusalem. And then last uh, time that we were in Luke 21, we talked about the day of the Lord and the rapture. And we just took our time going through those different subjects because they're pretty, they're pretty big subjects. Uh, tonight, we're going to finish up this chapter in which the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is preaching about end times. And uh, let me just say this uh, regarding our, our Luke series. We're going to finish chapter 21 tonight which means that we still have chapters 22, 23, and 24 in the Gospel of Luke, but we're actually going to finish up the book of Luke for now, uh, for tonight. This will be the last sermon in the Gospel of Luke for a uh, little while. We're going to finish it, and we're going to pick it back up during Easter time later on this year. So when we get closer to Easter, of course, uh, chapters 22, 23, 24 deal with the Lord's Supper, deal with the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to put a pause on the journey with Jesus, and we will finish up the last three chapters uh, as we get closer to Easter later on this year. Next Wednesday night, by God's grace, we'll begin a new Bible study in a different book of the Bible. So we're going to finish up Luke 21 tonight, and we're going to kind of finish the book of Luke for a while uh, tonight. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ has been teaching about end times prophecy. I've been teaching about end times prophecy as I've been teaching through his teaching, of course. And one thing that I will tell you uh, about end times prophecy uh, preaching, uh, and one thing that I don't necessarily like about teaching on end times prophecy, is that there's not a lot of application. And when it comes to my preaching, I'm, I'm very heavy on application. And I do that on purpose uh, because if you study the Lord Jesus Christ, he's very heavy on application. And what I, what I mean by that, and what we mean by that, I think Brother Oliver mentioned that in, in his sermon on Sunday, uh, but what we mean by that is that I don't just give you a lot of like philosophical thoughts. We don't just, you know, ponder some theological things about like, isn't that interesting? You know, we do a lot of biblical teaching, but then we apply it. What are you supposed to do about that? What are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to go home and do or stop doing or believe or stop believing? Uh, there's an, uh, there, there is our, the, the preaching here at our church is very heavy on application, and the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ is very heavy on application. And one of the things that I really kind of don't like about end times prophecy preaching, although I think a lot of people like learning about that subject, is that there's not a lot of application. You know, you kind of teach people about the rapture, and then it's like, so there you go. Now you know the rest of the story, you know, and it's like, let's pray and we'll be done. What's interesting to me, and the reason I'm bringing this up, is because the Lord Jesus Christ is still preaching about end times prophecy in these verses, 29 through 38. But what you'll notice is that this is really the conclusion of his sermon, 
And what's interesting to me is that this is the application phase of the sermon. And what the Lord Jesus Christ does over the next 10 verses is he gives five different applications regarding end times prophecy. And it's kind of unique because it's not something that we really see a lot or think a lot about, but he got done teaching about the tribulation, the Antichrist, the world wars, the famines, the great death. Uh, he got done uh, preaching about the abomination that make it desolate and, and uh, the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, the persecution that will come upon believers. He got done teaching about the day of the Lord and the sun going dark, the moon going dark, the stars falling, the rapture. He gets done teaching all of those things, and then he ends by giving these statements of application. So tonight we're going to look at these statements as quickly as possible. Five statements regarding application and five statements regarding principles uh, from uh, principles for life from prophecy. And if you'd like to write these down, I think that's a good idea. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place, of course, for you to take down some notes. And I'll give these to you, like I said, as quickly as we can uh, tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing that Jesus kind of teaches in his ending, conclusion, application of end times prophecy is this, that you can see the signs of the end times getting close. If you remember, and we've been looking at it, the, what prompted the teaching is that he was asked by his disciples, when will these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And Jesus ends by saying, look, you can see the signs you can see, you're not going to be able to uh, predict a date, all right? Now listen to me. Nobody can predict a date for the rapture. Anyone who does is lying. Anyone who predicts a date for the rapture is not telling the truth. But you can see the signs getting closer for the rapture. Notice what Jesus says, Luke 21, verse 29. He gets done with his end times prophecy teaching and then the Bible says this, and he spake to them a parable. So he's going to kind of end the sermon with this parable. And the parable is this, behold, a fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So he says, let me tell you the parable of the fig tree. And it's a simple parable. It's this, that you can look at a tree and begin to know when summer is close. You can know when winter is close. When you see the leaves begin to fall off trees, you know that the weather is changing. You know that winter's on its way. He says you can see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. And then here's the application. Because I want you to notice that Jesus is very application-driven. He gives that thought, and then he says, here's the application, verse 31. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So he says, in the same way that you can look at a tree and see the signs of change on that tree, and it can predict for you the coming season, that it's close, that it's nigh, he says, in the same way, you can look at the signs of the times and realize that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now keep your place there in Luke, if you would. That's obviously our text for uh, tonight. Go with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 13. If you go backwards to the book of Mark, Mark 13, we'll look at the same uh, passage, the parallel passage in Mark 13. Mark 13, 28. We see here the parable of the fig tree. Look at it in Mark 13, 28. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. 
When her branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the door. So Jesus is saying, look, the winter causes the tree to go bare. But when you begin to see the leaves begin to sprout off the tree, then you know that summer is near. You know that uh, winter's ending. You know that the cold weather is ending and that summer is near. And he says, so ye in likewise manner, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is nice. So I want you to notice that Jesus teaches the parable of the fig tree. But it's interesting that he brings up the fig tree when teaching about end times prophecy because the, par- the fig tree does not only serve as a parable, the fig tree itself is a prophetic symbol of the end times. Now, keep, keep your place there. Go to Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter 34. If you can find the major prophets, they're all clustered together. Towards the end of the Old Testament, you've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Go to Isaiah chapter 34. And like I said, I'll, I'll cover this kind of quickly, but I want you to see it. Because today you've got people that just make stuff up, right? right. And they're called dispensationalists, by the way. And, and, and people will just make this stuff up. They'll say, the fig tree represents the Jews. And the fig tree is a representation of the nation of Israel. And they'll, they, they make all this stuff up. And, you know, and it sounds nice, but it's like the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible talks a lot about the fig tree as a symbol of prophecy, but never does it say that it's the Jews or it represents the Jews. Isaiah 34 and verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Isaiah 34, 4, And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. This is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. That should sound familiar to you if you sing, It is well with my soul. And all their hosts shall fall down. Right? This is talking about the uh, day of the Lord. The, 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 the sun is going to go dark. The moon is going to go dark. The heavens going to be rolled together as a scroll. What is being referred to here? The fact that when Jesus returns to this earth, see, right now, there is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. And the physical world and the spiritual world are hid from each other uh, by a spiritual veil, if you will. And the truth is this, that there is a spirit world in which demons and angels interact, but you and I don't see them. There are devils, maybe, and angels, maybe, even in this room right now as we speak, and you don't see. I mean, there's some that you do see, but then there's the, the other ones, you know, that, that you and I don't see. There's this veil that, that, that keeps the spiritual world and the uh, physical world away from each other. But the Bible says when Jesus returns, the heavens will be rolled together. That veil that separates the spiritual world and the physical world will be done away with, and Jesus will come through riding on a horse with 10,000 of his saints at his second coming. And it says here, and all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down. Notice, as the leaf falleth from off the vine, and as the falling fig from the fig tree. So the fig tree is often represented as a symbol of being able to see and to discern the end times coming. Now, in Luke, go, go, go to Revelation, if you would. Revelation chapter 6. Last book in the New Testament should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 13 
In Luke, Jesus says, and in Mark, he says, look, the fig tree, it's, it's barren during wintertime. But when you begin to see, he says, learn the parable of the fig tree, where her, when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. When you begin to see the leaves to grow on the branch, you know that summer is near. He says, so you can look at it when the leaves are beginning to sprout and you can know that it's near, it's coming. But then there's also this symbolism of the fig tree in regards to the figs falling from the tree. Revelation 6, look at verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell on the earth. Notice, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So the fig tree is used symbolically throughout uh, the, end time, uh, the, the end times literature in reference to end times events, in reference to being able to see the signs of the end times, in reference to the fact that the, the, there will be a falling of figs from the fig tree is a picture or representation of the stars falling when Jesus uh, returns to this earth. Go back to Luke chapter 21. So don't let anybody tell you that the fig, tree's, the fig tree is a picture of the Jews. That, you didn't get that from the Bible. You got that from commentaries, but you didn't get that from the Bible. I won't take the time to, to go into uh, fig trees, but if, if, if you're reading nine chapters a day, you'll probably see this as you're reading the New Testament this month. Jesus had uh, several run-ins with fig trees uh, in the Gospels, and specifically, he had two run-ins with fig trees that would not bear fruit. And he cursed them and, and, and all sorts of things. So there's kind of just a little study there regarding the fig trees. But the first lesson that we see from the Lord Jesus Christ is that you can see the signs of the end when it begins to get close. Here's a second lesson. Go back to Luke 21. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Now, this statement that Jesus makes here in Luke 21, this generation shall not pass away, is kind of a controversial statement. And a lot of people like to make this statement mean a lot of different things. And I'll just quickly explain to you what I believe it means and, and what I believe Jesus is teaching here. But one of the things that people like will bring up is that when Jesus said this generation, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled, they'll bring up the fact that he was referring, he was looking at that crowd and saying this generation is not going to pass away until the rapture happens because of the fact that he's been teaching about the rapture, teaching about the day of the Lord. So he was saying, is the argument that people will make is that this generation that's alive right now is going to not pass away until the rapture happens. And let me just explain something to you. That is absolutely not what Jesus was teaching. Now, obviously, people who say that will then say, so Jesus made a mistake. Jesus was wrong. Obviously, this didn't happen. We're still waiting for the rapture. But let me show you, go, go back to uh, Mark chapter 13, how it's very obvious that this is definitely not what Jesus was teaching about or commenting about when he made the statement. Now, if you remember, Mark 13 is a parallel passage to Luke 21. So sometimes when we don't understand something or when something seems odd to us, there's a benefit in looking at a parallel passage, comparing spiritual with spiritual, and helping uh, and, and studying the Bible 
to try to figure some of these things out. If the, if the question is, did Jesus believe that the rapture and the end times events were going to happen within the generation in which he was speaking to, if that's the question, then the answer should be very clear for Mark chapter 13. Because in Mark 13 and verse 30, the Bible says, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Now notice what he says in verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So he said, look, this is going to happen, and this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. And then it almost seems in verse 31 like he's really buckling down and reaffirming heaven and earth might pass away, but my words are not going to pass away. What I've said will come to pass. So people will say, but he was wrong because he was saying that the, the generation, this generation shall not pass until the rapture happens because that's what he was teaching about and they'll say he was wrong. This is a mistake in the Bible. This is a mistake that Jesus made. But here's what's silly about that is that he gets done saying in Mark 13, 30, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Verse 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels which are in heaven. Notice, neither the Son, but the Father. So are we supposed to believe that Jesus saying this generation shall not pass away was him making a a statement regarding the timing of the rapture when in the next breath he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Why would he say, hey, nobody knows when the rapture is going to happen, neither the son, when he just got done supposedly predicting that the rapture would happen within the lifetime of the people living uh, at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, I believe that the reason that Jesus made that statement at that point is to make it clear, I'm not talking about the rapture. When he said, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. He said, I'm not talking about the rapture. Because here's what people are going to try to turn this about the rapture and make it all about the rapture. He says, but of that day and that hour know no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. He said, Jesus is saying, I don't even know when the rapture is going to happen. Now, let me say this and kind of get off on a little bit of a, of a rabbit's trail, but I, I want to make the point. This is why I believe that nobody can give you the date for the rapture. Because Jesus, obviously, when he says, neither the Son, he says, but of that day and that, and, and that hour know no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. At that moment when Jesus said, I don't know the date of the rapture, okay, he was speaking in his humanity. And here's the point that I'm making is, obviously, after his resurrection, once he was in his glorified body, you know, right now, Jesus knows the day of the rapture. But on earth, he laid aside glory. We talked about this during Christmas. He set aside his deity to an extent. He took on the form of a man, took on humanity. Now, he was God in the flesh, but while on earth, he was not omnipresent. While on earth, he had power and he performed miracles. He knew the thoughts of men, but he he did not have the full extent of, of the power, the natural attributes of God. He laid that aside to become a human being. And he even laid aside the all knowing ability of God 
and limited himself. Remember we talked about the fact that he limited himself? He limited himself even to the knowledge of humans. What does that mean? That means that everything that Jesus knew while walking on this earth, he had to learn. He, it wasn't like he was like this two-year-old or this you know, six-month-old in the crib, and he's like, before the milk was, I am. You know? it, 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 he, he was a baby like any other baby. Here's the point. He had to learn to speak like any other human had to learn to speak. He had to learn to walk like any other human had to learn to walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had to learn to read just like any other human had to learn to read, to do math, to drive, you know, whatever, drive a camel. He, he had to learn all these things. And here's the point that I'm making. Jesus in his humanity says, I don't even know the day of the rapture. You know what that tells me? Nobody knows. Because if Jesus limited to his humanity could not figure it out, then no one can figure it out. I don't care how many times you divide the letters in the book of Daniel and multiply them and, you know, Google it. Anyone who tells you, like, I figured it out, then here's what they're saying. They're smarter than Jesus is, and no one is smarter than Jesus is. If Jesus in his humanity, don't you think Jesus knew the book of Daniel? I mean, he's quoting the book of Daniel. Don't you think Jesus knew everything about it? I mean, he learned, he studied everything. He's a 12-year-old boy and he's schooling the lawyers and priests. Not because he was God. I mean, it, it was because he was God, but he learned all that. So the fact that Jesus says, but of that day and that hour, and, and, and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Here's what that tells me is nobody can know it. Nobody can figure it out. It's not like there's some code. Everybody thinks, there's this code. You got, there's no code. It's not for us to know. Now, Jesus just got done saying, you can know when it's getting closer. You can look at the parable of the fig tree. You can see the signs of the time, and you can realize that it's getting closer. But no one knows the day, no one knows the hour, neither the Son, but the Father. So, Jesus did not, on earth, as a human on earth, did not know the day of the rapture. Now, with that said, let me say this. This proves us, the reason I brought you here and I'm making this point, is this proves that when Jesus said that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done, he was not talking about the rapture. Because he just got done saying, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. So would it make any sense for him to say, this is going to happen in the next 40 years, but I don't know the day or the hour. It's, he's not predicting the end times events here. So then the question is, what is he saying? When he says that this generation shall not pass, what is the point that he's making? We'll go back to Luke. Now, let me, let me say this. And this is something that I brought up over the last several weeks, and I brought it up a lot while we deal with end times. Is that there is this telescoping effect when you read passages of Scripture that deal with end times especially in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Oftentimes, when you read prophetic literature, you have to realize that some of the things that are being spoken of are actually going to happen in that time, in that lifetime. And then there's also this prophetic preaching about things that will happen in the end. And usually the reason that that happens is because what's about to happen right then and there is, will serve as a foreshadowing of something that is to come. 
when something that's going to happen is very similar to something that's going to happen in the future, you will get this telescoping effect in end times prophecy where you're looking at something that's going to happen right then and there, but you're also using that, God is also using that to teach us about something that's going to happen in the end times. So something we talked about is the fact that Jesus taught that when the abomination of desolation is set up, Jerusalem is going to be compassed about and be destroyed. Now that's going to happen. That's going to actually happen in the end times. But you know, that also happened during the lifetime of those individuals. And if you look at the passage, and if you remember what it is that brought the question about Luke 21, look at verse 5. Let's just go rewind a little bit and remind ourselves the reason for this conversation. Luke 21 and verse 5, And as some spake of the temple how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, as for these things, as for what things? The temple. That's what they're talking about, right? Jesus and his disciples are at the temple, and as some spake of the temple, what were they saying about the temple? How it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. They're talking about how beautiful the temple is, how beautiful it's decorated. And as, uh, as for these things, the Bible says at the end of verse 5, He said, Jesus said, as for these things, what things? The goodly stones of the temple. Behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what signs will there be when these things shall come to pass? I want you to understand the context. They're at the temple. They're talking about how beautiful the building is. And Jesus says, oh yeah, that reminds me. There's coming a day when this temple is going to be destroyed, and these beautiful stones you're so impressed with, not one stone is going to be left upon another. He predicts the fact that the temple is going to be destroyed. And that prompts the question, when shall these things be? And what sign will there be? And Jesus actually begins to answer the question and to begin to teach that the coming of destruction of Jerusalem is nigh. That Jerusalem and the temple is going to be destroyed. Jesus is actually dealing with that matter and that fact, but then begins to teach about end times because of the fact that the destruction of Jerusalem that was nigh is, and the desolation of Jerusalem that was nigh is very similar to the destruction of Jerusalem that the Antichrist is going to do when he sets up the image of the beast. So there's this telescoping effect where we're looking at things that are going to happen within the context of their lives, and those things resemble things in the future, and Jesus is speaking to those things. Here's the point that I'm making. Jerusalem was, encompassed, was compassed about by the armies of the Roman Empire. The city was destroyed, and the temple was destroyed. When did it happen? It's a very famous fact. It happened in 70 AD. In se- Jesus lived around 30 33 AD, and about 30 years after his ascension, uh, just a few decades after his ascension, Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, 
And this is something that Jesus predicted. And here's the point that I want to make. When Jesus says these things are going to take place, when he says, you're there in Luke 21, look at uh, Luke 21, 32. When he says, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. He is referring to what they began their conversation about, the destruction of the temple. That's what they were talking about. He's, they, they said, look how beautiful this temple is. He's like, yeah, here's the thing. This temple's going to get destroyed. And they say, well, when? And what's the sign? And he says, well, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm also going to talk to you about end times because it's actually very similar to something that's going to happen in the future. But then when Jesus finishes his conversation, he gets back to the point that he was making, and he, and he says, by the way, remember the temple being destroyed? This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. And here's what's interesting. 30, 40 years later, the temple was destroyed within the lifetime of the people who were listening to him speak. So when Jesus says, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled, he is not referring to the end times, like these guys in the first century are going to live until the end, which is crazy things that people make up. Like John is still on earth or something. And he wasn't wrong about the timing because he himself said, no man knows the day or the hour. And he didn't say that at another time. He said that within the context of him saying, this generation shall not pass. So if you just look at the Bible, it's very obvious that he is referring to the fact that the temple is going to be destroyed and Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and this generation shall not pass till all these things be done, referring to the destruction of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple. And by the way, that happened. It happened in 70 AD. It happened within the lifetime of the people who heard him. Jesus spoke to a group of people and said, within your lifetime, this temple is going to be destroyed and it happened. So it's not, this, this is not a, where Jesus misspoke and it, it speaks to his infab- uh, the fact that, he's, that, that he was fallible. This is actually a credibility of Jesus. Hey, he predicted the destruction of the temple. It happened just like he said it would. Now let me say this as well. Go, go to Matthew 24. Remember there's this dual fulfillment concept. This telescoping of things that are going to happen immediately or in, in, in a contemporary sort of fashion, and then things that are going to happen in the future. So Jesus is telling them, hey, this generation is not going to pass away till all, all these things be fulfilled. He's referring to the fact that he was talking about the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem. But let me just say this. There is a dual prophecy here in the sense that I do believe that Jesus was also hinting at, and I believe the Bible teaches, that when the end times begins, it's not going to be prolonged. So in the same way, Jesus was telling them, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple is going to happen within your lifetime. But there is this other application that we could look at, this dual application that tells us that when the end times events begin to take place, they will happen within the lifetime. They will end within the lifetime of the people who are living through it. Let me just prove that to you. Matthew 24, verse 21. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, 
to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Notice verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. What is that talking about? It's not talking about the, the time of the day being shortened. It's talking about the fact that the days that the tribulation could have lasted is not going to last as long as it could have or maybe should have lasted. God is going to shorten it because the truth of the matter is this, that nobody could live for an extended period of time with, with having to take the mark of the beast. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell and you're persecuted. The, the point is this, that and the Bible teaches, and I don't have time to get into this. You can study this out on your own. We understand that the tribulation period from the beginning to the rapture is going to be about three and a half years. And we understand that the great tribulation period, where the mark of the beast is rolled out, the image is set up, you can't buy or sell without the mark, is going to be about 75 days. The point is this, like, that great tribulation period couldn't last five years. None of us would make it. We'd all die. 75 days, you know, you could do that. That's what's being referred to here. That except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. So the idea is this. Jesus is telling the people alive right then and there. Remember, we started this conversation because I told you the temple is going to be destroyed. You wanted to know when it's going to happen. Here's the answer to your question. It'll happen in your lifetime. This generation shall not pass away until the, before those things get fulfilled. Not talking about the end time stuff, talking about the temple being destroyed, Jerusalem being destroyed. With that said, in the same way, likewise, when the end times events begin to happen, they're not going to be drawn out. It's going to happen within the lifetime of the people. Here's why that's important to know, is because today there are people who will teach that the end times events are symbolic and we've been in the tribulation for like a thousand years. That's not true. When it happens, it'll begin and it'll end within the lifetime, within the generation of the people who are alive at that time. So here are the application points. Number one, you can see the signs of the end times when it's getting close. Number two, you should know that when it starts, it will not be prolonged. When it starts, it'll start and end within the lifetime of the people alive at that time. And when Jesus said that this generation shall not pass till all things be fulfilled, he was not referring to the end times event because he himself said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. He said, not even the Son of Man knows when the rapture is. So he's not referring to the rapture. He's referring to what they were talking about, which is the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, which, by the way, happened in 70 AD within the lifetime of the people who he was talking to and, talk, and talking to these things about. Go back to Luke 21. Look at verse 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Here's the third application statement. And it is this, that you can count on the fact that these things will happen. Amen. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Jesus said it, it's going to happen. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Let's just run a couple of verses quickly. Uh, go to 2 Peter, if you would, 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you go backwards from Revelation, you have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 
2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Do me a favor, when you get to 2 Peter, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. And I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice what the Bible says. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days. That's what we would refer to as end times. Scoffers. What's a scoffer? Someone who scoffs is someone who mocks, who makes fun of. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So the Bible says that there are going to be people who take this attitude to say, well, where, where is this coming? People have been saying Jesus is coming for forever. And look, I believe, and this is talking about worldly people scoffing at the Bible and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. And we should be assured of the fact that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Jesus said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, I think that part of the mockery of the fact that people mock at, well, where where is he? Where's the promise of his coming? It's part of it is the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine because you would never get that from a post-trib position. You know, well, where's he at? We're like, well, what do you mean? We didn't say he could come at any moment. Where's the mark of the beast is what we'd be asking. Where's the Antichrist? He, all these things have to happen before. It's the preachers who say, it could happen anymore. And they've been saying it for years and years and years. It could happen today. It could happen right now. Let me tell you something. It can't happen today. It cannot happen tonight. I don't care how fast those winds are. I don't care how many trees go down. It's not the tribulation. Because there are things that have to happen before he comes. But the pre-trib rapture and these doctrines make a mockery of the Bible. Also, all these guys on YouTube that want to give you the date of the rapture. It's a mockery. Remember years ago when that guy, well, I can't remember, the guy in Oakland, Harold Camping. Can I take the next call, please? <laughs> You've ever listened to his program, you know what I'm talking about. You know, he just made a mockery of Christianity by putting pillboards all over this country, you know, predicting the date of the rapture. And then, you know what? It didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, people laughed. I mean, I laughed. I laughed at him. But, you know, it saddens me that probably worldly people laughed at quote-unquote Christianity. So we should be careful not to make these statements that make the Bible seem silly. You say, well, when is it going to happen? Look, Jesus didn't know. I don't know. I can tell you that we will be able to tell as we get closer. But here's what I can tell you. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He said it's going to happen, and it's going to happen. And it'll happen at his timing. Keep your place there in 2 Peter. Go back to Luke 21. Statement number one, you can see the signs of the end times when it gets close. Statement number two, you should know that when it starts, it will not be prolonged. Statement number three, you can count on the fact that these things will happen. Here's statement number four. Remember, we're talking about application for prophetic teaching. Which is kind of rare. You don't get a lot of application for prophetic teaching. But here's the next application. Number four, you should determine to not get distracted. Jesus gets done teaching this 
very famous and well-known passage of Scripture on end times. And then he says, here's the takeaway. Here's the application. Here's what I want you to remember. Luke 21, 34. And take heed to yourselves. The word take heed means pay attention. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. That phrase overcharged means overwhelmed or to be distracted with surfeiting. That word means to consume too much of something. And drunkenness. What's drunkenness? To consume too much alcohol. And cares of this life. Cares are like anxiety, the things that we worry about. And so that day come upon you unawares. He says, look, I don't want you to be consumed or overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this world. I don't want you to be so concerned with feeding your flesh, with gluttony, with drunkenness, with anxiety, with the things of this world, that that day come upon you unawares. Look at verse 35. For as a snare, what's a snare? It's a trap. As a trap shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And look, this idea to not be distracted is a theme of the end times. Let's just, let's just run from verses quickly. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Find the T-books, they're all clustered together. 1 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because remember, the pre-tribbers like to use this, this phrase, a thief in the night. But the context of the phrase, a thief in the night, is that Jesus is coming as a thief in the night to the world. They're unexpected. They, they, they don't expect it. They don't see it. They're unawares. But we're not supposed to, he's not supposed to come to us as a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians 5.4 But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. I mean, literally, I want, the pre-trippers make a movie called A Thief in the Night. It's about the rapture. And I think to myself, did anybody take the time to look up the phrase, A Thief in the Night? But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Look at verse 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober for they... And look, the context here, the they is referring to unsaved people. They that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus brought up in Luke 21? He says, but let us, not, not they, let us, brethren, saved people, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation, for God hath, found, hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, look, when you understand what's coming upon this earth, when you understand the events of the end times, this should cause you to wake up, to pay attention, to take heed, to not be overcharged with drunkenness and surfeiting, and to not be overwhelmed with anxiety. He said, don't let, don't, don't get, look, there are some Christians that are so worldly, so involved in their world, in the world, and in their personal lives that they won't see these events coming. 
Go to 1 John chapter 3, real quickly. 1 John 3. If you start at Revelation, go backwards. You have Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. What is the point about learning about end times? The point is that it would drive us to be closer to God. 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that, notice these words, when He shall appear. What are we talking about? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of the Lord. Here's what we know, that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. What is that a reference to? The rapture. The resurrection, when this corruptible will put on incorruption, when this mortal will put on immortality. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at the application, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope, every man that has what hope? The hope that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Every, and every man that hath this hope in him, notice what the Bible says, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. See, what I think is interesting, go, go, go back to Luke 21. We got to finish this thing up. What I think is interesting is that people love end times prophecy, right? People who don't read the Bible but they, they, they've watched after the tribulation like 25 times. They've never read the Bible cover to cover one time. Never made it through the nine chapters a day one time. But I mean, anything and times, anything and times is just amazing. But here's what they don't understand. The whole point about learning about the end times, the whole point about learning about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that there is an event called the judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to stand before Jesus and be judged for the things done in our body. The whole point of that is that it would drive us to purify ourselves. You know, the right response should be, when you watch after the tribulation, is to say, i got to become a better Christian. I need to go out soul winning. I need to get the, the trash out of my life. I need to get the filth out of my life. I need to purify myself. Hey, every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself. Even as he is pure. You say, Jesus is coming back, and I've got to prepare for my meeting with him. So you should determine not to get distracted by the world. Here's statement number five. We'll finish up. Luke 21, 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I don't really understand this, but the Bible seems to indicate here and I think in the context, what Jesus is teaching is that if you want to be the kind of Christian that is counted worthy to escape all these things, where you get to be that Christian that looks up to heaven for your redemption draweth nigh. If you want to be the type of Christian that gets to the end of the tribulation time, the great tribulation period, and you are counted worthy of being there. I mean, he says, watch ye therefore and pray always. And here's what he's saying. He is not saying that every Christian is just going to get to the end of the tribulation period and be there at the rapture. Please understand this. Most Christians are going to die. 
And the Bible seems to indicate that the more worldly you are, the more likely you are to die. He says that getting to the end, I mean, think about that moment. Wouldn't you love to be there at that moment, be alive at that time when the sun goes dark, the moon turns into blood, the stars fall from heaven, and you're like, this is it. This is it. The heavens are rolled back as a scroll, and you see the Son of Man coming in His glory. That's not just for any Christian. The Bible seems to indicate that if you want that, you better watch ye therefore and pray always that they may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. The Bible seems to indicate that if you're distracted and worldly, you're not going to make it. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation or any of that. I mean, you go to heaven, you get a crown for being a martyr. But only a select few, the Bible seems to indicate, are going to make it to that end. It's an honor. And God says that you want to be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and as a stand before the Son of Man. So how do you prepare? Watch more documentaries. No, watch ye and pray always. That's how you prepare. Luke 21, 37. And in that day, excuse me, and in the daytime he was teaching the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. And I just love that little phrase there. All the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. It's a beautiful thing when people come together to hear the word of God. So we have finished there, Luke 21. And like I announced earlier, we still have chapters 22, 23, and 24 to go. But we're going to finish the Gospel of Luke for now here at Luke 21, and we're going to pick it back up during Easter time, later this year, towards March and April, and we will study the rest of this book together uh, as we celebrate the resurrection and as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, continue to help our church to grow and to reach people, to grow spiritually. And Lord, I pray for tonight that you keep people safe as they travel home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song, but just some real quick uh, announcements. Uh, Don't forget that if you'd like to bring a meal for Brother Ray and Miss Denise Anderson,